what's really weird is in society, we have this aversion to failure. But in order to find success, you got to see how something isn't done so you can find the right way to actually take action and do it. So who do you talk to? Where do you go? How do you find the opportunity and problem? And how do you find the opportunity for success? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios for episode number 184, Sales Rep Failure Rate and Sales Failure Reasons. What's really weird is there's this big aversion to failure. Like, you know, please don't don't cause failure. Don't have issues. Don't have problems. And I've got to be around some amazing people. You know, I've brought this up in the past. That in, Joe, in 2016, I met Joe Sugarman. And Joe Sugarman has been a fantastic marketer. He brought blue blockers to the market. And he's got a lot of things to his name. And so I was able to chat with him over lunch one day. Uh, and and we went back and forth. And I started asking him about failure. And he's like, Scott, let me tell you something. I've failed more times than I've succeeded. Like, I could, I could talk to you all day about failures. And I'm like, yes, let's start there. And he kind of chuckled. And <laughs> he kind of laughed. He said you know what? Nobody ever tells me that. They always want to talk about my wins. I'm like, yeah, everybody wants to talk about your wins. I want to talk about the stories that nobody else does. So I want to say a month ago, I got to interview Jay Abraham and I got to talk to him about failure. And he was like, Scott, I failed a lot. I failed a lot. But he says, I've also won a lot too. And so like you have to have this view on what failure really is. And so, you know, I've got a background in marketing and in marketing, you test everything. And so to me, in my mind, everything's a test. And I don't mean it like in, a, in an aggressive way. It's just like, okay, that combination didn't work. And so the reason I bring this up is most industries, most industries that I work in, that the average closing rate is 20 to 30%. So that one time out of bat of three, that salesperson is going to close the deal. And most industries are okay with that. Okay? That's, that's pretty standard. Well, this means that two-thirds of appointments aren't closed. So you look for your 33%. And then you increase your skills over time. And then you're like, hey, what's the what's the industry normal? I'm going to blow past that. What's the industry normal? How do I beat it? What's the industry normal? How do I get through this? And part of this is really going to be that you take notes. Part of this is going to be that you you think through what's going on. There's a really cool book called Pay to Think. Paid to Think. It's about 650 pages. 650. I've read the whole thing. And here's the gist of it. Take time every day to just think and write things down and answer how to solve problems. Now, I'm not doing the book much justice by giving you like a 30-second selection of what the book is about. But if you pick up a book on thinking, you're going to find that most people don't think. They they go with gut reaction. They They go with the norm. They go with the flow. And they don't put consequences to what they do. So in order for you to get better at sales... You, you're going to have to fail. And like, there is this weird thing that says, like, if I, if I take enough classes 
if I talk to enough people, if I ask enough questions, if I do enough interviews, then everything is going to make it that much easier for me. And there's a point where you got to go beyond the book. There's a point where you got to go beyond the training and you, you actually have to put in the work. You have to do what it's going to take to learn real time to get those skills. So check this out. I'm going to give you a wacky example. Let's say I want to learn Taekwondo, Karate, Jiu-Jitsu. I can go buy books and then they're going to show me the move and like I can internalize in my brain, hey, this is what the, the book showed me how to do. And then there's a point where I got to get on the mat, take off the shoes and put on the gi. And uh, there's a point where your brain goes, I'm beyond the book because I know how to do this stuff. So Chet Holmes used to say, the, the strategist will slaughter the tactician. Well, having the ability to read from a book is going to be a tactic. Putting it to use is going to be the strategy. So think this through. Salespeople are weird. We look at going into the fire, taking the bullets, and then running out with the client on our back. And there's plenty of salespeople that have no fear of doing this. But there's plenty of salespeople in your organization that have a problem and have a fear of doing this. This is just like the example. You go and you put in the work. And once you put in the work, there's things that happen afterwards. And so sales rate failure is normal. It's normal. You're supposed to fail, right? But you're supposed to get better over time. You're supposed to, to figure out how to not fail. And that comes from coaching, mentoring, and in no way am I knocking coaching and mentoring. In no way am I knocking books on sales. But, you know, there's a point where you have to put pen to paper and, and actually take the action. But realize that failure is one of the things that you need to lead you to success. And it sounds kind of weird. It's a conundrum. Well, if, if you don't fail, then you can't succeed. If you don't succeed, it's probably because you didn't test out enough failure. And this, I, the reason I'm sharing this episode is I look back over my lifetime and I, I, I do have regrets. There's things that I wish that I would have done that would have, that would have sped up my failure rate, that would have allowed me to fail to success sooner, that would have allowed me to find a way better. Right. I, I talk about my mistakes that I made a lot on the, uh, how to sell show on my podcast, when I do live training, when I do live coaching, because I want people to see that like it's, it's a byproduct. There's waste to everything. The, the first engines that were made for automobiles, they weren't energy efficient. They wasted just about as much energy as they, they, they used. And, you know, so the first cars were built 1870s, 1880s from Mercedes-Benz. If you take a look at how, you know, gasoline has been refined and now we're using electric cars, there's waste to everything. And part of a byproduct of being successful is finding the failure. And so it's just a different view of what's going on. I wish that like when I first started in sales in 2000 and 2001, I would have had a different conversation about failure. I would have had a different uh, view from a mentor. But in 2000 and 2001, there were no podcasts. There were no blogs. It was buy books, buy books on CD, go to live training, pay for coaching. Those are the four options. And so when I say pay for coaching, maybe somebody in an office or a shop would say, hey, here's what you do, kid. Here's how you fix these problems. For whatever reason, people have a fear about being told no. Like they, they think that like sales is all about getting to a yes. They think that like if you use the click world technique that's talked about in Influence from Robert Saldini, that that's what sales is. And one of the best books that opened my eyes that really changed my perspective was Start With No from Jim Camp. And uh, 
I was coached by David Garfinkel. David Garfinkel is an amazing copywriter. He's known as the best copywriter coach in the world. And so the moment that he was like, hey, Scott, you know what book you really need to read is this one from Jim Camp. And that's Start With No. So uh, Jim Camp was David Garfinkel's first mentor. And so Garf, as everybody calls him, started telling me about like some of the beliefs that Jim Camp had. And like in my brain, I'm like, this stuff sounds crazy. Get people to say no? Nah, that that would never work. And then I found some recordings from uh, Jim Camp. And like, I was like, oh my goodness, this guy's right. This guy's right. I really got to take a look at how I'm looking at what people tell me with no. And he was like, hey, Scott, Garf told me this. He's like, hey, Scott, you can't get people to tell you yes until they tell you no. And it's just a different view on sales. Old school sales that comes from like the 50s, Jay uh, Douglas Edwards and Zig Ziglar and Tommy Hopkins and all the people go along with it. All of their content is about a, a process to get people to say yes. And then I look at what Jim Camp had to offer. and His whole process was get people to tell you no, because you can't define what people want until they tell you what they don't want. And so like, this is the reason I bring this up about failure is like sometimes the lessons that you get from failing, you can't get from a book. You can't really feel from a conversation. You know, I like to read biographies of billionaires because they start talking about decision-making processes and they start talking about why they failed and then how that failure that they made in the past saved them from a bigger failure in the future. But they would have never figured out how to pick that lock until they had had the failure. So like when you start thinking about this, it's like an idea inception, right? As you go through this, you're like, wait a minute, there's times that I have to fail. So the next time that I'm in a deal, I know what to do in a deal. So I don't fail. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. And as you get better at deal making at bigger projects, you make mistakes. You can only protect your upside so much. You know, uh, it's interesting. Like sometimes I'll meet with people and they're trying to protect their upside a hundred percent not realizing that, you know, that there is learning process and failure. And, and if you don't believe me, if you walk right now, you didn't give up after falling down a bunch of times. If you know how to ride a bicycle, you didn't give up after falling down a couple of times. If you know how to ski or snowboard, you didn't give up after falling down. If, you, if you're good at a sport, if you're good at a video game, it, it, you know, you, you can use whatever analogy you want. Sports or video games usually come in really well for when it comes to dealing with failure. Like, uh, I didn't, I didn't beat that stage of the game. I'm just going to have to do it again. Well, you learn every time you mess up, you're like, I can't do this punch or this kick, but I can throw my magical, you know, uh, potion here. And it, it takes out the, the person, the villain. It's the, it's the same thing when you're dealing with sales. It's the same thing that when, when you're dealing with belt business sales rep failure and sales failure reasons are, are what you're looking for. And the more of those things that you can acquire over time and talk about and ask about and, and live through, the better off you get it at becoming. And so this is why metrics become obsessive. Metrics and routines become excessive for closers is because they know if I do it in this order, if I do it like with this recipe, then I know what's going to happen. I know what I'm going to get. I know how people are going to be. I know what their answer is going to be. And so what ends up happening over time is you you have what I'm going to refer to as a closing rate your closing rate measurement contest. <laughs> it's a closing rate measurement contest. You you watch closers in a room and game recognize game. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go back to that saying, game recognize game. And so like when when you hear people who go into a meeting and 
and like they have to brag about what their closing rate is. You know, sometimes you look around and like, mm. if you were that good, you wouldn't have to brag about it. And then sometimes you look around and people say stuff and you're like, that doesn't match up. It's not true. I don't, I don't see how that's working. The only way that you can get better at sales is by putting in the reps. And so this is what salespeople really screw up is they think that if all they do is role play, but then they never put that role play into action, that they're going to close deals. So what happens is it goes something like this. What I'm about to share with you is going to sound like a big, crazy run on sentence. Okay. But look at it from the perspective. A new salesperson comes into town, they come in, they start learning sales, they role play and they fail. So their sales manager comes in and says, oh, you know what we need to do is we need to do more role play. So they come in, they role play, they fail a little bit less. You know, there's there's uh, the ability that you have to learn how to walk. So they role play, they fail, but they fail less. So the manager brings them in again. They role play, they fail less. They get better at what they do. They role play, they fail less. They get better at what they do. And then what happens at some point, there becomes a feeling of having it be automatic. There becomes a feeling where it's normal. It becomes a natural reaction. But you can't get to this process until you've lived through some of the failures. And so you you have your role play, your fail, your role play, your fail, your correction, your role play, your fail, your correction, your role play, fail, correction. And the list goes on and on and on. And at some point you hit a comfort zone. And things just become natural. They become like talking. And, uh, you know, when I started my YouTube channel, I look back at some of my videos and I'm like, these things are horrible. But it was it was a process to learn me for me to learn how to be in front of a camera. You know, uh, I was in Austin last month or the month before, and the group that I was with wanted a testimonial, and their camera crew was like, "How much time do you need to prep?" And I said, "What are the questions?" And they told me the questions, and I said, "Okay, prep's over." And they're like, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah." And the guy says, "You're really comfortable in front of a camera," and I said, "That's because I got twenty six hundred YouTube videos." And he says, you got 2,600 YouTube videos? I said, yeah, I haven't put anything up in like 18 months. So it's been a while since I put up a YouTube video. He says, you're really comfortable in front of a camera. And I said, I got to tell you, it didn't start that way. I sucked in the beginning. I go back and I watch my first YouTube video and I'm like, yuck, yuck. I watch my, watch my first 10 YouTube videos and I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to tell you, it wasn't until about my 500th video that I did it, that I finally got comfortable in front of a camera. And I will I will share with you one thing that really changed society was uh, the pandemic in 2020, in, in March of 2020, where people had to get on Zoom and they had to get past the fear of their voice. Like now it's not that big of a deal. Everybody's like, oh, I'll get on camera. But they're not always naturally comfortable in front of a camera. Like you, you give them, hey, this is what you need to say. And they turn into <laughs> Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. I don't know what to do with my hands. And so what ends up happening is over time, you get better and you get more comfortable. Like I think the first time that I flew, I was like hyperventilating. I had anxiety and I flew two weeks ago, flew two weeks ago and I get on the airplane. I like getting on airplanes because to me, like one of the ultimate rushes is that momentum, that feeling of momentum when a plane takes off. I love that feeling. I love that feeling because it's like, that's like the, the ultimate, like you, you on this planet, you really can't drive much faster like an airplane like a big boeing or a big uh airbus those things fly at like 500 miles an hour you can't drive a car that fast you can't get in a helicopter that fast it's like the ultimate expression of momentum 
So you like look for those things that help you bring momentum and realize that that failure is is normal. It's part of what you do. And and if you take a look at it, like I can't remember who said this, and I should probably just Google it, but I'm not going to. It like look at failure as your ability to climb up the ladder. Look at failure as your ability to to get to the next step. I don't look at it as failure as failure. I look at it as, as a way to succeed. I look at it as, as the thing that I need to do to get to the next level. But like most people are like, failure, failure. Nope, I'm going to stand over here in this corner. And I'm never going to fail. I'm, I'm not ever going to, I'm not going to ever go out on a limb. I'm not ever going to take a risk. You know, I look back and there's times where I've lost it all financially. Everything. Everything. I mean, I was as close to devastated as you could be. Lost it all. Like to me, I, I asked myself, is this the worst thing that's ever happened to me? I went through abject failure as a business owner. So like I asked myself, was this the worst thing that's ever happened to me? No. You know, I look back and like, man, it sucked. Man, it sucked. But I had to climb my way out, had to claw my way out. It sucked. It was hurtful. I went through a bad breakup, really bad breakup, horrible breakup. So like when I look back at my life, I'm like, is this the worst thing that's ever happened to me? No. So like those two, I got two questions. Is this the worst thing that's ever happened to me? And is this the weirdest situation I've ever been in? And most of the time, the answer is absolutely not. It's not the weirdest thing. It's not the worst thing. So it allows me to keep going. So some of this comes down to your framework. What's your framework? How do you look at it? How do you think about it? And and what what do you tell yourself? I don't really look at failure as failure anymore. I, I look at like, I do have regrets. And like some of those regrets make me go, hey, these are the ways that I would do it if I had to do it over again. You know, like that's one of my favorite questions to ask very successful entrepreneurs because I want this insight. If you had to do it all over again, what's your favorite loss to win? What's your favorite place where you lost out huge and then you showed everybody that you could do it or you lost everything and you got it back? I mean, a lot of successful entrepreneurs I know have lost it multiple times through divorces, through through business uh, people that they dealt with, through making bad deals. But like, there's a speed that you get when you learn how to fail because you're like, I've been here before. I've done this. So I've got seven, seven rules of sales failure. I do, I do have more content here for you. And the first rule is you must really want to close deals. And if you want to close deals, you got to know that there's going to be opportunity in the failure. And that as, as you go through and you take a look that you're going to get better with every move. So like, think about this. I'm, I'm enthralled with chess. You know, growing up as a kid, I loved playing chess. And when I first started playing, I was not very good. It was clumsy. I didn't know all the rules. I didn't know where the pieces went on the board and the rook does this and the knight does that and the pawn does that. But over time, you start developing strategies. If they make this move, I'm going to make that move. If they start here, I'm going to start there. And so I look at a lot of things strategically. How, how, what's, what are the pieces on the table? What are the opportunities? I want to close this deal. You know, what what does what what risk does that give me? What upside does that give me? What are some of the dangers here? Number 2. You must learn to be okay with failures and the problems from losing deals. You got to be a big boy or a big girl about this. Right? Uh I've lost deals that I should not have lost. Hi. My name's Scott Sylvan Bell. I'm human. I make mistakes. I lose I lose focus sometimes and I make mistakes. But you know what? Here's the thing. I look at some of my failures and some of my biggest stumbling blocks as my biggest opportunities. Um, I grew up with a speech problem. I grew up with a speech impediment. 
And instead of turning it into a failure, I figure like, how do I talk in front of people to make up this difference? How do I, how do I turn this into a positive for me? Like, um, I, I sometimes lack social boundaries and social skills. Well, an opportunity for that is I'm not afraid to ask for a deal because like what's weird to one person is just perfectly normal to me. Like the, the conversations that I have with people, because I do lack some social skills, I just, I say what I'm thinking and I ask questions and I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. I love to ask questions. I love how do things work? I like taking things apart. I've got just about every tool known to man. And so like in my mind, I'm like, if I could take this thing apart, like I was taking apart a machine, how do I put it back together again? So this goes with number three, you have to be willing to look back at deals and dissect them. What happened? Where, where did I go? Where did I suck? Where did I fall apart? What did I, what did I do? Where did I lose the buyer? What questions did I ask? What could I have asked better? What was my timing good? Was my timing bad? Did I do what needed to be done in the deal? Did I give the right type of presentation? Did I ask for the sale too soon? Did I follow my process? Number four ties right into number three. You have to be patient. And I am a very impatient person. I'm very impatient. So people laugh because I listen to opera and classical music while I drive. So I love music. I've got a terabyte card on my phone and I probably have it filled halfway with music. And I've got just about everything you can imagine. And you're like, Scott, what do you got? I got opera. I've got German opera. I've got Italian opera. I've got Pavarotti. I've probably got five gigs of opera. I've got classical music. I've got piano. I've got cello. I've got full-on orchestras. I've got stuff from the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s. I've got tons of music. And the reason is, is because like I can, I can slow down some of my feelings and emotions. So today I'm in traffic here in Sacramento. And so I'm all the way up in the North Sacramento area and it's a Friday afternoon and I'm getting some anxiety. I'm getting frustrated. And I said, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I put on some classical music and it calmed me down. And so you have to have, you need your go-to move. You need to find your comfort zone. You know, when, when you fail, what do you tell yourself? What do you do? You got to be patient. Number five, you see in the long term that sales is cyclical. Sales, it sells is cyclical. The, the longer that you're in the sales game, the longer that you're in the industry, the, the different frequency you have. So if you take a look at what an oscilloscope is, I'm going to give you a visual representation. If you're ever watching a movie and in the movie, they got some guy working on electronics and it's like a small old school TV screen and there's little waves that bounce up and down. The sine waves are bouncing up and down. Like your, your bell curve of success fluctuates consistently in sales. And so the longer you're in sales and the better you get, the shorter you have of sales slumps and momentum going up and the longer peaks you have. It's just a natural occurrence. Conversely, if you're brand new to sales, it takes longer for you to build momentum. You have short bursts of success and then you have ramp downs of, of failure. But from you learning the sales process and going through the cycles, you realize like, wait a minute, if I take a look at this and I think through what's going on here and I draw out where I'm at and I put this on a grid and I, and I, and I take a piece of paper and I map this out, I find that over time, the, the bell curve sh- shifts. So instead of it being long and steep towards the top to the point and a short mountaintop, what ends up happening is I have a short ramp up, a long plateau, 
of closing deals and then a short amount of failure and then a little tiny ramp up and then a long success again. But like if nobody tells you this, you don't know what to expect. And, you know, I take a look at like I, I went through a really bad sales process in 2008, 2009, a really bad breakup. And I, I failed miserably at sales. I failed miserably in sales in 2000 and 2001. I failed miserably in sales in 2008, 2009, went through a really bad breakup. But there's a lot of that I learned through it. Like people will say, hey, Scott, I hope I don't reject you by telling you no. And I'm like, look, what you tell me and what you think of as rejection, that's not even off the ground floor. The way that I've been rejected in life, that's like all the way at the ceiling. So if you're going to tell me no, just tell me no. It's not going to hurt my feelings. If you're going to tell me yes, let's get some paperwork done and we get this taken care of and get you on your way. But like, it's just a conversation, just what we're having right now. Like you're as a salesperson, as a business owner, you're not ever going to, you're not going to ever freak me out with failure. You're not going to freak me out with a rejection. It's just, it's not going to happen. Number six, you must be okay with no's as much as you are or more than with yeses. I go back to my example of Jim Camp. Start with no. Chris Voss did work with Jim Camp. And so like when you when you read Never Split the Difference, if you read Start With No before Never Split the Difference, you'll see like it's a chapter one, chapter two type of a situation or, or Start With No is the prequel and then uh, Never Split the Difference is the main event. And so there's a lot of good content in both those books. A lot of good content. I love both those books. When, when Never Split the Difference came out 2016, I had one of the first copies of it. And it, it was just one of those things where like there's there's a few books that are very pivotal for me. Um, start with no, pitch anything, and never split the difference. Like those those are three books that I'm like, mm, those are. I mean, there's more, but like for framework of thinking and dealing with things, those those set up a really good process for me. And so you have to be willing to get no. And so instead of looking at it as failure, it's the learning opportunity. So I've shared this before. That closers in sales, they they look for the opportunity in every problem. And the opportunity for you in failure is being better at what you do. The opportunity in failure is everybody else gives up. They're like, I can never do sales. I talk to people all the time. They're like, I can never do sales. I'm like, do you ever get your kid to go to bed when they don't want to? And they're like, yeah, my kid's a little punk. I'm like, you could do sales. No, I could never do I can't take the no. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Little kids tell you no all the time. You know, you you look at this. Next time you go driving and you're driving down the road and you're thinking everything's going good and you look up and it's a yellow light and then you look up and it's a red light, you just got told no. You just didn't get told no from a person. You got told no from a machine, but you don't freak out about it, right? You you go to the grocery store or the supermarket, whatever you want to call it, and you're standing in line and uh, you're walking up to the checker, to the clerk, whatever you want to call the person, and they shut the line down in front of you. You just got rejected. They told you no, but you don't freak out about it because like there's no risk to it. It's so like if there was a formula for for rejection, it's there's like six things that go along with it. Time, energy, effort, risk, money, and reputation. Time, energy, effort, risk, money, and reputation. That's the formula for rejection. You put a lot of, of anyone into those, and the more you, you, you cross over, the bigger your rejection could be. I put so much time into dating that girl, and she walked away from me. Right? That was That was a bad rejection for me. That was a bad feeling. This is a real thing for my life. Time, energy, effort, risk, money, reputation. Now, conversely, if you don't put time, energy, effort, risk, money, or reputation, you can have regret for not doing enough work. So this leads me to number seven. He or she who asks gets. 
He or she who asks gets. And I want you to really think about that. You, you only get from life what you ask for. And the more you ask, the more that you're going to get told no, because you don't know how to tell the story. You don't know how to give the presentation. You don't know how to give the pitch. And so as you get better at sales, you can get better at asking for things that you want. You know, uh, I've, I've shared this previously that most people are scared out of their freaking mind about negotiating. I'm, I'm in a course with people and the course that I'm in with people is a, it's an interesting topic. And there are people who are just deathly afraid to negotiate. They're, they, they, they will literally pay somebody to negotiate for them as business owners. Like it's, it's weird to me, like in the sales forums that I'm on, on Facebook and a couple of other places, salespeople will come in and say that they're closers and be scared to negotiate for a car. Hey, what's the best deal that I can get on a car? How, how do I ask for a better price? And like, I'll go through and I'll look at their posts and they're like, I'm a closer. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm an amazing salesperson. And I start asking them like, wait a minute, if you're a closer, like there's a bunch of skills that you got to have. So I'll give them to you. There's seven, seven skills that closers have. One is self-image. Two is rapport building skills. Three is presentation skills. Four is asking questions. Five is dealing with objections. Six is negotiation and seven is delivery. And if, if you have a struggle with any of those, I would have a tough time saying that, hey, I'm a closer. You're a closer. If you don't have all those, then I'm going to question what you got. But I see this a lot that people will go into the groups and say, I'm so scared to negotiate. I'm in a group with business owners that have literally said, I will pay somebody to negotiate for me. I'm like, you are leaving money on the table. That's a skill you got to develop. But you know what it really comes down to? And this is the same fear that's universal. There's only so many fears, okay? And it really doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't really matter what I do. We only have so many fears, just like there's only so many objections. There's only so many things. And the biggest fear is that they're going to make a bad deal. The biggest fear is they're going to leave money on the table. The biggest fear is they're going to be wrong. They're going to look dumb or they're going to look silly. There's like the four things that your buyers go through when they make a purchase too, right? They're worried about failure. Failure for them is being judged. Failure for a lot of people is being judged. Failure is like, if, if I do this, people are going to say, I'm going to look dumb and I'm going to look silly. I'm a goofy looking dude, right? I got a round head. I'm bald. Like in my mind, I don't look at it this way, but if I had to explain it to somebody, it's like when I wake up in the morning, I automatically have failure. I don't look at it that way, but like you could, okay? And I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. I, I got over that a long time ago. So it, it's like, at the end of the day, this can't be about me. It's got to be about you. I'm just giving you the framework of things that I look at. I got to give you the, the framework of how I go through what I go through, how I live through my own problems that are really opportunities. So what, do you, what are you going to do? At, at the end of the day, you're going to have to be okay with failing to find your way to success. Yes, you can get coaches and mentors and shortcut that process. But at the end of the day, even with their coaching, their training, their teaching, you have to put in the work. You have to be willing to say, I'm going to go take the lumps. And it's probably not going to go right the first time. It's probably not going to go right the second time, the third time, or the fourth time. And I'll probably have some struggles and people will probably make fun of me and call me names. But people already call me names and make fun of me. So like, why don't I just speed up the process and get really good at it? You know, I I think of some of my failures that I've made in life. And I look back and some of them are regretful that I would have kept going. I would have been way more successful than what I am. And some of them I look back and I'm like, that's one of the best possible things that I've been through. 
I look at the breakup that I went through in 2008 and 2009 as the best thing that ever happened to me in sales. And you're like, Scott, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. I said, no, it doesn't. And I'll share with you why. There's nothing you can do in this life that's going to reject me harder than what I went through. There's nothing you can do that's going to throw at me to say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you no. It's just not going to happen. So my question for you is like, what's your, what's your favorite being told no? What's your favorite failure that led you to a success? What's your favorite problem that turned into an opportunity? What's your favorite reframe? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to reframe what's going on. You're going to have to take like, this was a problem, but I turned it into an opportunity and this is how I won. This is what I've done. I'm reading, a, I, I'm like, I'm enthralled with deals right now, just so you know. Like, I'm not talking sales. I'm talking like big moves. And so like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I ordered every book on Amazon that I can find on deal making. I did. I literally went to Amazon and I'm like, what are all the best books on deals? And like, it turns out there's about 18 of them. So Scott bought all 18 of them. But one of the books that I'm reading right now talks about how one process of failure really helped the company and helped them find success. And if they would have never had the failure, they would have never found the success. And so it's a constant conundrum. And I brought this up earlier in the podcast. I brought this up earlier in the episode that the only way that you grow is from failing. The only way that you grow is from learning what not to do. So that's why it's a good idea to keep a journal. That's why it's a good idea to talk things through. There's no way to protect your upside on everything. Look, I look at it this way. Uh, At this point, I've got 184 episodes on the How to Sell show. And I can look at it and be like, hey, I've got X amount of downloads. In my mind, that's that's a failure, right? Or, hey, I've got 184 episodes. And as I go and as I learn, I get better at what I do, right? It's the, it's the way that you look at it. It's the way that you deal with it. It's the way that you think through it. And like, if, if you're doing something just to go through the motions and you have failure, then you're going to have a different outcome than if you're doing something, learning to, to take whatever failure you have and get better at what you do. So I want to leave you with this. I believe in you. If you're struggling with failure right now, there's an upside. You've learned ways to not do it. You've learned ways to not do it. So every morning when I get up, I have this belief that however I start my day and whatever I think about at the very beginning of my day is how it's going to, how my day is going to go. So I'll go on the YouTube, I'll go anywhere that I can and I'll look up motivational videos and I'll play them for about 20 minutes of the day. That's, that's my, that's my go-to as I'm getting ready, as I'm taking a shower, as I'm brushing my teeth, it's motivational content. I do the same thing 10 minutes before I go to sleep. It's all motivational content, right? So change what your intake is. If you're struggling right now, you got this, you got this failure. Failure is just temporary. It's you're learning how to not do something. You're learning how to do something different. You're learning how to get back up once you fall down. Now, the good news for you, you've made it this far is most people give up. Most people put put throwing the towel and they're like, I'm not going to do this. I I can't continue, but you're better than that. You are. And I know that because you've gone this far and listened to the episode of the how to sell show. You will have sales representative failure and a bunch of sales failure reasons, and you'll get better at what you do. And here's, here's what you need to know. If somebody gives you the expectations of what to have, what's going to happen, then you're typically okay with it. Right. If, if like you go somewhere and you get lost and this is like way before Google and your phone's dead and like you pull over and there's an old timer sitting there at a, a vegetable stand. Now, I grew up in like kind of central California, so I'm used to a lot of farmers. Right. Go out in the farmland and you're driving around, you get lost and you pull up 
and uh, you say, hey, I'm kind of lost. And the farmer says, hey, city slicker, where are you going? I'm going to this lake. Well, you're almost there. What you're going to do is you're going to drive down the road about seven miles, and you're going to see a bunch of cows. And at that cows, there's a big pothole in the road. So you're going to have to be careful because that pothole will pop your tire. And as you're going down the road, be careful because on the left, that's where the cop likes to hang out and write tickets. And as you go a little bit further, be careful because uh, the oncoming traffic is a blind spot. You can't see it. So all I'm saying for you is like there's normal parts of business. There's normal parts of success, but there's also normal parts of failure. I'm just the guy right now saying, hey, right over here, there's a bunch of cows. You got to watch out. Right over here, there's a cop with a radar gun. Right over here, there's a blind spot. I'm just saying it a little bit differently. I'm just giving you different examples. I'm just sharing different ways of looking at it with you. You're going to have to find some failure in your life to find some success. Go read any book on any billionaire. They're going to tell you about how they failed. Go read any biography. Listen to anybody talk. Listen listen to your favorite sports person. I have seen Emmett Smith live. I've seen Kobe live. I've seen Magic Johnson live. And they've all talked about the failures that led them to success. And those are the things that they like to cherish. Those are the things that they've talked about. People that I've watched too is Shaq. Shaq talks about, hey, like, how did I get good at what I do? How did I find investing? Like, you read any book on success. The underlying, under, underpinning on any book of success is, look, I had a whole bunch of failures. I learned from the failures, and I was able to be successful. Right? There's not, there's not a bunch of books written about losers that didn't make it. And I'm not calling somebody a loser. It's the only way I can tag this, this idea or this thought. Like, I'm, I'm not putting it as a negative connotation. Right? There, there's... um. There's not a lot of books out there that are just all about down on luck and nothing ever happening because it's not very interesting. There's no dopamine rush in it. So look for the dopamine rush. How do you take a failure to a success? How do you take a problem to an opportunity? That's the, the biggest thing that you can do. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.